With the first piece of silverware up for grabs on Sunday, we try to find some betting value in the EFL Cup Final and discuss the impending conclusion of one of the world's least surprising transfer sagas. There's a short quiz that will unite the North and South in anger before Sam provides another couple of tips for the upcoming weekend after two wins from two last week. All that and more on today's show. Hello and welcome to the Betting Expert Football Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Jenkins, joined as ever by Betting Experts Football Editor, Mr. Sam Ingram. How are we doing, Sam? Hello, yeah, all good, thanks, Dan. I've uh, spent my weekend with my head in a few football trivia books after that disgrace in the quiz last week, so probably should take this opportunity to apologise. I feel like I've let a few people down, including yourself, so not bad. I'm used to it, for one, but believe me... The quiz today, there is not a book in the world that can prepare you for this. It's, it, is, it is unique, let's just say. It's very unique. Brilliant. So um, last week, good results. Started off with uh, Brentford versus Liverpool. You had Liverpool to win and both teams to score at 2.80. Nice little win for you. Yeah, good price. Played out pretty much as as we expected. Liverpool ran away with it in the end, um, and Brentford, yeah, had enough to to find the net themselves. So that that was a pretty good win. Fantastic. Then Swansea versus Ipswich over two point seven five goals, half win at one point nine seven five. Half win, yeah. Unlucky not to get full win there. I saw a few chances which they pr- probably should have taken, um, but yeah, three goals. So so happy with that. Can't complain. It was the most open first half of football I've ever seen. I was shocked <laughs> yeah. that there were more goals, especially after the break. Yeah, so it could have been done week... by Yeah, sorry. sorry. It could have been done by half time, really. So it could have probably should have. Though. Yeah. So last week we had a grand total of zero point zero one units of profit. No longer technically profitable. We are actually profitable now, which is nice. So we are up and running. Up and running. Overall figures of plus two point seven eight five. So we take that as, I don't think we've mentioned on the show, but every single bet on the show is going to be tracked with one unit staked in each match, unless otherwise stated. Sam may really fancy something, in which case we'll put a couple of units on, but unless otherwise stated, just just assume it's going to be one unit staked for every single bet. So we'll kick things off here with the biggest news of the week in the football world, which is Kylian Mbappe's impending move to Real Madrid. Not a huge surprise, Sam, but is this really the best move for the player and for the club? I mean, Real are going really well at the moment. Could this be too much egg in the pudding? (laughs) Well, he's the type of addition that will make a a rather tasty looking pudding or whatever type of dessert Florentino Perez adds up his sleeve for the foreseeable future. Um, Do you see he's getting 150 million up front as a signing on fee? It's, It's not bad. Yeah, sorry, in it bonkers yeah. money. Actually, not far off the fee I got for being headhunted for this podcast. Oh, it's, it's, it's Good stuff. Head, yeah. Um, but yeah, w- will it upset the apple cart in Madrid? It, it's hard to say, but I doubt it. He, if he has ambitions of winning the lot, picking up a Ballon d'Or or two, then then he'll go in there and he'll fall in line. And, and I expect him to do so. There's a picture of him. He's done the round for years in his bedroom with, as a kid, like and his walls are plastered in pictures of. Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid so it's, it's well documented that this is his dream move he comes across as, as really intelligent both on and off the pitch he can speak a number of different languages um, he'll know what it needs 
like what needs to be done at a club where external and internal pressure is always ramped up. They've got to win every single game. The expectancy is there internally and from the fans. And it's a fan base that's unforgiving. Like we've seen time and time again, Bale kind of hounded out almost. Ronaldo got his fair share of boos when he went a few games without scoring, which when you look at his stats is, is pretty remarkable really. But, yeah. but yeah, although he hasn't really covered himself in glory um, on occasion in Paris, he'll arrive in Spain at 25 years old, edging towards his prime, and it feels like the perfect move for both parties. And I assume we'll see we'll see as much from the off. There might be an ego there, but I feel you probably need a little bit of that in Madrid as yeah. Perez's newest, shiniest modern day Galactico. Yeah, this one he's been one he's been after for seemingly six years, seven years. Yeah, it's it's definitely no surprise, is it? Um, yeah. It's a transfer in a business sense with that you probably see like the domination upcoming in Spain, especially with Barca maybe falling off a little bit and, and the extra punch it gives them on the continent. You'd have to say it positions Real Madrid very nicely in, in whatever future endeavours. If you look at this Real Madrid squad, I've got the squad list up here. Madrid will join Arda Gula, 18 years old, Bellingham, 20, Camavinga, 21, Rodrigo and Vinicius, 23, Chiuameni, 24, Valverde, 25, and Militao, somehow, he's only 26. It's a little scary, isn't it, really? Um, I can imagine that lot in a few years' time. They're arguably nowhere near their prime yet either. Uh, Bar Manchester City, maybe. It's difficult to see anyone keeping up with them in the short term. And if they can keep hold of the the lads that I've just mentioned, then they're likely sorted for a decade or so, I'd say. I think it's a much better model for doing transfers than just signing the best player or the best known player in that summer, every summer. It's it, They've mm-hmm. actually got a, a squad that seems to be working now, which is weird. So I was um, I wanted to bring it back to betting. I was looking at his uh, Ballon d'Or winner odds this week, Kylian Mbappe, and he's available at 4.50 with Bet365. Second favorite behind his future teammate, Jude Bellingham. Is there anything in that, Sam? Or any other early market picks you would look at? I mean, it's a European Championships this year. Playing for Real Madrid obviously gives you a platform to go on. I do think there's something in that, I think. Like, firstly, he's got, looking at his stats, he's got 21 goals in 20 Liga matches, 10 clear of the next best. Like, it's not a leading European league, but it's business as usual for him. I doubt PSG will have any joy in the Champions League, but they're 2 new up against Real Sociedad at present going into the second leg. So if they do, it's an added bonus in respect of this Ballon d'Or kind of landscape for Mbappe. Uh, we've got the Euros in the summer, where France will be one of the favourites to lift the trophy. And let's not forget, Mbappe scored a hat-trick in the final of the last major tournament he featured in for France. He's a big game player, so you wouldn't be surprised to see him pull up a few trees in Germany and then with the world's eyes firmly on him in Madrid he'll start his Real Madrid career where he'll probably score a shed load of goals if he does perform like we know he can on the back of a decent summer with his every move plastered over every sporting media outlet I think he could make his way to the favourite in the betting nearer the time the big concern in terms of Ballon d'Or betting is if you're going to take a punt on him, it's that he'll only have like three months as a Real Madrid player by the time mm. the Ballon d'Or ceremony rolls around in October. If he had a move lined up to Real Madrid in January, then I'd be bullish about his chances. I, s- I suppose it all falls on what he does in the summer. 
picking himself and France up from a World Cup final defeat to win the Euros two years later. Sounds like a pretty special storyline for the Ballon d'Or deciders to get behind to me. Um, I'll flip this round, actually, Dan, on you. I've, I've got someone else in mind. If their season pans out similarly to last, um, then I think they have a shot. But I want to see if you mention him or not. Um, where would your money go for the, for the Ballon d'Or, Ben? Uh, probably Mbappe at the moment, yeah. Mbappe? Yeah. Okay. Is that pretty nailed on for you, do you think? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the best bet on the market at the moment. Okay. Well You're gonna say Declan Rice. <laughs> I'm not gonna say Declan Rice. <laughs> but I think if Man City gets another trophy haul like they did last season, Rodri can't be far away. I mean it it wouldn't be the sexiest Ballon d'Or winner of all time. Like he's not gonna get you thirty goals or assists, clearly, but without him, I don't think City get near the treble last season. He finished fifth behind Mbappe, Haaland, De Bruyne last year in the Ballon d'Or. Haaland quite hasn't reached the same heights as last season, which is no disgrace, <laughs> obviously, because he was on fire. And De Bruyne, heights, yeah. yeah, and De Bruyne has been injured for the bulk of the season. So does that hand Rodri City's leading representation in the Ballon d'Or running? I think so. Um, we've seen how much of an impact he has on the City team and that 10 to 1 looks looks pretty big if you think. Manchester City dominate domestically and in Europe in 2024. So as a bit of an outside bet, a little bit of value in that, I think, um, robbery to to get the Ballon d'Or. For the record, Declan Rice is available at 100 to 1, if you do want to go in another direction with it. But yeah, I do like Rodri. It could be a kind of Jorginho-style thing where he uh, makes a late surge, gets a podium finish in the voting. But uh, yeah, could be something in that. Just want to switch up now and have a look at the EFL Cup final on Sunday. Liverpool versus Chelsea for this season's first piece of silverware. It's a rematch of the 2022 final, which Jurgen Klopp's side won on penalties. They had a favourites to lift the trophy again here at 1.61, with Chelsea out at 2.30. Sam, how do you think that pricing looks? On the face of it, you'd have to say Liverpool are rightly favourites following that 4-1 win at Anfield just three weeks ago and the lay of the land in the Premier League at the minute but since then since that since that match um, what has transpired has been far from ideal on Merseyside they went away from Anfield in the game afterwards playing um, in the game after playing Chelsea and lost 3-1 to Arsenal and now they'll head to Wembley without Alisson Trent Alexander-Arnold Shobosly Curtis Jones and Diego Jota and last night Tuesday night the news broke that Darwin Nunes, who left the pitch at halftime against Brentford after Jones and Jota had already been subbed, is being monitored day by day in terms of his fitness, as is Mo Salah, who has only just come back from injury. So that's seven players who would have been all fighting for a spot in the starting lineup, you'd say, uh, for the weekend, with the exception of maybe Curtis Jones, who might not be nailed on, although his performances and, and worth to the squad has, has improved tenfold this season. The rest, you would say, is in Liverpool's best 11. So... That absentee list casts major doubts over Liverpool's chances. For me on the weekends, I'd recommend seeing how Liverpool line up against Luton on Wednesday evening and piece together who you think might be available for them at the weekend before before taking any pro-Liverpool angles. It's probably how I'd play it. But yeah, it's really not ideal for, for Jurgen Klopp. And not ideal for my FBL team if Nunez is out tonight. So uh, Chelsea do have a pretty good record against the top sides in the Premier League right now. I think... Along with Spurs, they're the only other side to have taken points off all three of Liverpool, Manchester City and Arsenal this season. 
do they have a better chance here than most expect? Yeah, they do. They're, they're competitive against the big teams and, and that won't change. Liverpool flew past them a few weeks ago, but this is a cup final. So this is a completely different ball game. You, you saw against Manchester City last weekend that if Chelsea had got their final ball right, then they would have scored two or three. There were a few instances. Um, Marlo Gusto's ball into Jackson where he, he fluffed his lines and, and it was smothered by the keeper. And also the other one that kind of sticks in my mind is Ben Chirou had the ball at at left back and all he needed to do was just lift it over the city back line and Sterling was through one-on-one like there, there was a few instances like that and it's that city game that's the blueprint to take into Sunday for Pochettino they, they just need to be clinical and take the chances afforded to them when they come Liverpool will set up to take the game to Chelsea they know no other way that's their DNA under Klopp it's a big expansive pitch and if Chelsea can do their best work in transitions when looking to spring a counter-attack then they may have some joy in a I've said it a few times, but without Nunes and Salah in the team, which we saw a couple of times during AFCON, this Liverpool side lacks bite massively. And, and now without Jota too, it's a worrying thought. And for the neutral, I suppose you want to see the best players playing. So hopefully they take to the Wembley pitch when the time comes. But if they don't, Liverpool could struggle with a lack of invented, inventiveness in forward areas. And I, I am guessing here, and I say this without the luxury of seeing who makes the looting game on Wednesday night, but... From the reports, there's a chance we might see a front three of Gakpo, Harvey Elliott and Luis Diaz for the final. Uh, it's by no means terrible, mm. but it's a drop-off. It's, it's a big drop-off. Yeah, there are not many clubs can kind of compete with City and have a, a second eleven that's just as strong as the first, especially in forward areas. Mm -hmm. So I just want to bring this back to Chelsea and speaking a bit more broadly about them this season. They've got a very young squads they've had their own injury problems Wesley Fofana key player for them they're uh, Christopher Nkunku as well they're improving from last year and as previously mentioned they have a very good record against the three title chasers in the Premier League if you look at, at the stats Chelsea are fifth for XG they're sixth for expected points and they're now one game away from silverware could Mauricio Pochettino argue he's done a pretty decent job this season given the circumstances Chelsea are improving uh, and will keep improving under Pochettino. He, he had a big job on his hands in the summer with, with that bloated squad and I'm not surprised there have been poor spells of form and, and fingers pointed at the manager on occasion. But even the most ardent of Chelsea fans would have leant towards the thinking that this would be a season of transition. Hunting for a top four spot always looked a write-off when evaluating their chances before the season started, especially with Nkunku's injury and, and Chelsea lining up with Nicholas Jackson as their go-to striker. So to get them to a final, I mean, it's not bad, is it? Chelsea fans will be expecting them much higher than 10th in the league, which they should be given, you know, the quality of squad. Um, but they're only three points off Brighton in seventh, which is probably near where I see them now if comparing their level of performances with the likes of Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool this season. And on the whole, considering everything which he stepped into, a squad needing trimming, the absence of strikers, a young crop of players, incomings arriving for record fees, never easy. It's a, it's a nice luxury to have, but you know, it's not easy. Um, I think he's done okay. Finish strongly in the league this campaign and, and get a win on Sunday. And I think we can say he's done a good job. On to today's surprise quiz for Sam here. And I think this is a particularly entertaining one for me. Earlier I said that Chelsea have improved from last season, which, as you may remember, Sam, was a particularly disastrous one for them and uh, forms the topic of today's quiz. So 
last couple of days I've been looking at historical underperformance, overperformance based on kind of expectations in uh, historical betting data in the Premier League, as I often do in my spare time. So Sam, I'm going to ask you some questions. And the answer for all of the five questions will either be Chelsea in 2022-23 or the infamous Derby County season of 2007-08, often called the worst team in Premier League history. Okay? Okay. So, for example, I could say, which team finished with 11 points? And you would say... Derby. That is correct. That is okay. correct. That doesn't is, that, count. is that one? All right. No. No, that doesn't count. Okay. So, which team was more profitable in the 1x2 market when backing them to win every single match with just a single unit? I feel like you're you're luring me in. Um, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I was I'll say Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Right, that, nice. no, I thought that was I thought that was a little curve. You were worried then? You thought it was I a was. double bluff. Yeah. Derby won one match, so yeah, Chelsea. You could if yeah, you bet so. them to win every single match in the one x two last season, you'd have brought in a total of minus nineteen units. So don't do that. Derby backing them to win every match in 07 08 would have been minus 33 units. So, not wow. ideal. Okay. Moving away from the betting data here. Which team signed more first team players in that season? Remember both of them? Oh. Rob, Robbie Savage, Mikhailo Mudrik. What's your flavor? Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I can't really remember Derby's uh, transfer windows um, back then. I'm, I'm going to say Chelsea. Chelsea signed 16 first-team players. D- Derby's not signed more than Derby 16. Derby signed 17. You're joking me. Signed 17 that is, players. That is, that's mental. They, they have a, a lot in common. Like the, Prob- Probably goes it, some way to explaining why they were so poor. Wouldn't, I mean, it's, wouldn't it's, a lot, it's, it's a whole new squad, isn't it? Yeah, there's definitely some correlation in there. <laughs> so, moving away from the 1x2 market, which team was more profitable in the Asian handicap market over the season. So pre-match Asian handicap lines, they're generally pretty good here. Uh, Asian handicap markets, you'll, if a team plays 38 matches, they'll usually win 19 and lose 19 generally. So which team had the worst performance? Oh, sorry, which team was more profitable in the Asian handicap market? Oh, well, I've, I've no idea. Um, but I'm guessing Derby would have had a few sizable handicaps. So if they could avoid real heavy defeat, then then they may have done okay in the Asian. So I'm just going to go for Derby. You're going to say Derby? Derby is correct, Sam. Okay. Derby is correct. So they uh, they won 13.75 of the 38. Not great. Chelsea won 12.25. So they lost 25 Asian handicap matches last okay. season. So this, this, these are close. You're not giving me much, you know, much wiggle room. It's, it's a difficult quiz, Sam. What can I say? What can I say? Number four, which team took four points from Newcastle? Derby. <laughs> Derby. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is better. Three, three out of four. Three out of four. It's not bad. Okay. Last one. Bringing it back to betting. So, which team? had the worst performance versus their BXG. 
since betting expert first started tracking BXG in 2002-03. So, BXG is the pre-match bookmaker expected goals total versus actual goals total. So, if uh, Chelsea were playing Manchester City, they probably the bookmakers would have expected them to score 0.5 or something like that. They're playing Everton, they would have expected 1.3. What we've done is basically add all that up, total it, and then compare it with how many goals they actually scored in the 38 games. So that's their BXG versus actual. Chelsea. Chelsea ranked 419th. Derby ranked 420th. So they are the bottom two sides wow. BXG since we started tracking that in 2002-03. So... That's appalling, isn't it? That is pretty appalling. It was not a good season. I don't, I don't think people understand how bad Chelsea were last year compared to what they were expected to do. Now on to our tips for the weekend. And the first of today's double looks at one of the sides chasing automatic promotion from League Two. But Sam, you're opposing them this weekend. Yeah, I, I just looking at the prices, I'd have Mansfield a little bigger than the 1.55 favourites they are for the win here. I'm not sure I'd price Salford at 5-1, to 6.00 against any League 2 side right now. I wouldn't wreck them away, Notts County away, Stockport away, not playing great. So yeah, I, I don't really think I'd have them as 5-1 to one underdogs against anyone right now, given the way this squad has taken to Carl Robinson's appointment in the dugout eight games ago. The plus one Asian handicap, which on Salford, which I'll be taking for my selection, uh, it feels a little bit uncomfortable, especially with recent Mansfield results at the forefront of my thinking. But betting against the grain will often bear fruit, and I'm just hoping this is this is one of those occasions. Yeah, I I'll be honest, I haven't followed League Two all that closely in the last few weeks, but I saw the last time Mansfield played at home, they won nine two. So. Sam, yeah. why are you going against them? That this is this is madness. Look, I, I knew you were going to say that, um, <laughs> but like I said, like this is a little uncomfortable. Um, not every value selection you take is going to tick all the boxes, especially if you're siding with a team away from home. Mansfield really do have the capacity to put Salford to bed on their day. Looking at the stats at home, the, the Stags have made the plus one Asian handicap a loser for four out of fifteen opponents this season. So they've had a, a go margin better than than just the one, four out of 15 games. And interestingly, it's the away form where they've had more joy in recording a two or more go margin to cover the Asian line. They've done so in nearly double on the road in seven out of 17 matches. But this specific bet, though, is more focused on Salford, really, and what's happening in Greater Manchester. What I really like, and it's a trait I always look out for in the EFL when, when approaching bets, is... Salford's resilience, like coming from behind and rescuing a draw, nicking all three points, like it's an art. And Carl Robinson's side have come from behind and avoided defeat a few times. In his eight-game tenure, they went 2-1 down last time out to Barrow, 1-5-3. Before that, 
Doncaster went ahead twice and ended the 90 minutes at 2-2. And before that, Salford conceded an 82nd minute goal in Swindon and replied with a 92nd minute Callum Hendricks equaliser. So in total, they've gone behind at some point in five out of eight matches under Carl Robinson. It's really not ideal. I get I'm not selling this, but <laughs> as a manager, you, you obviously want your team to be solid at the back and build on that going forward. But it's a really, really good characteristic to possess. And that muscle memory of clawing their way back into games is invaluable. And the most high profile case, I suppose, over the years is is Fergie's Manchester United team, who, who just nicked so many points in, in Fergie time and stoppage time over the years. Um, and we may have to call on that here as Mansfield are a serious League 2 outfit their underlying metrics you know suggest that they're right up there in terms of going for automatic promotion um, and after beating Harrogate 9-2 who are on an impressive run of form themselves playoff chasing form the Mansfield have followed it up with a 2-1 loss in Warsaw last week and it's hard to say if that will help or hinder us here like is it a a wounded animal situation looking to respond or, or will a touch of doubt creep into when they're being greeted by this this prickly Salford side so I suppose we'll see on that front Yeah it's a, it's a good point you brought up about them clawing back obviously it would be a bit easier for Salford if they just stopped conceding goals entirely it's one clean sheet in 12 yeah. <laughs> for them so are you kind of relying on them to score goals in order to hold this line? Exactly that. The main reason I like this bet is because I think Salford score. So they've scored in all eight matches under Carl Robinson. And if they do so again, Mansfield need to score at least three goals for this selection to lose. We need a draw or better to take any profits with this plus one Asian handicap selection. And just a one goal winning margin for Mansfield returns our stakes in full. So Salford can lose this game by one goal margin and we'll get our stakes back. Um, Salford are unbeaten under new management. Eight games. They haven't lost since the change and we're seeing a number of players starting to, to work their way into form, which is no coincidence. They're in 19th in the league, nine points off playoffs. I'm not sure if they can bridge that gap, but I'd expect them to get towards the top half sooner rather than later. Cole Robinson spoke, watched his... Um, post-match presser after the game against Barrow um, he said this is a statement win and I think he's right but for me more so it was a statement performance uh, more so than anything like dragging themselves from a deficit putting five past the Barrow side that, that now harbours aspirations of the playoffs it was a really accomplished display in the end particularly in that second half and I think it's something we might have to get used to in Salford Hoping, hoping we don't see another 9-2 here. Uh, that's Salford plus one in uh, Mansfield, Mansfield versus Salford City this, this, uh, this weekend. So, on to your other pick of the day, Sam. And this one instantly fills me with a lot more confidence as Blackburn meet Norwich in the championship. Well, that's, that's a good start. Um, but yeah, Norwich, wow. I mean, where did that come from? They were surging towards playoff football now. We've we've got a, an article on Betting Expert, which I update, <coughs> update weekly, which looks at the next championship manager to be sacked, odds. And for a period in September slash October, it was David Wagner neck and neck with Alex Neal, Gareth Ainsworth, Jisco Munoz, whoever, whoever it was. And he's outlasted them all. And he's done so magnificently. Wagner isn't just surviving with this Norwich side they are thriving and seemingly heading in one direction only losing once in their last eight matches which was a 1-0 versus Leeds away from home in January and I think we can probably let them off there um, looking at a more broader sample size it's four defeats in 18 
after the September and October period that I mentioned, um, where they navigated a really sticky patch. Highlighting that specific 18-game sample, Norwich have been the fifth best team in the championship in terms of points returns, and that's only five points shy of Leicester's 18-game return in, in that uh, same sample size. So it's some turnaround. Uh, they're in great form. They boast goals in abundance in their side, scoring two or more goals in each of their last five games, including a double at Anfield in a 5-2 cup defeat. So if, we, if they do that again here, we shouldn't be too far off. Yeah, the goals had been flying in until the match in midweek. Cardiff City nil, Blackburn Rovers nil. Sam, I know you were originally eyeing up maybe a little bit further along. I know I've, I've been looking at it as well, maybe over a 3.5 here, but uh, lines moved down to 2.75. Are you still happy with that? Yeah, I am. I was, I was originally um, looking at over 3.0 Asian goal line in this game. Um but after the yeah after the nil nil uh, result in Cardiff last night, that's that's come down to the two point seven five, and we can get that. At, I think it's one point eight five on Bet three six five. I think it's a great goal line to be honest. Um, going to Cardiff is it's it's a difficult you know it's a difficult ground to go to, especially midweek. Like after playing in Cardiff, you you know you've had a game, so I'm not too surprised. We weren't blessed with goals there, um, and after that. Cardiff visit that's now six games in 21 days if we include uh, the game on the weekend coming up so it's a lot of football in the legs of the Rovers players and I think we may see Norwich capitalise on that in the goal scoring stakes anyway uh, Wagner's men have had the week to prepare so they've had their feet up twiddling their thumbs whilst Blackburn headed to Cardiff in what usually is a bit of a scrap in Wales um, Norwich will be without their leading goal scorer here though which doesn't sound great in John Rowe, um, Jonathan Rowe, he's, he's been a revelation this season, managing 12 goals in 28 games at 20 years old, so clearly a bright future ahead. But since picking up his injury, Norwich have gone on to, to win 4-2 against Watford and 4-1 versus Cardiff. So the goals haven't dried up. And we're seeing the goals shared around this Canaries team, which, which will be the music to the ears of Wagner, although there is one standout player at the minute. Josh Sargent has morphed into a, a red-headed prime Timu Puki since his own return uh, from injury in July. In, in 11 starts or 8.890s this term, the American has notched 10 goals from 6.6 XG. That performance on the underlying numbers might not continue, but if he gets a chance here on the weekend, then I fully expect him to take it. And backing up his current credentials with Gabriel Sara in behind him, who's imprinting his best self on the championship and Borgia signs on, on the wing at left wing, causing all kinds of problems for championship right backs. And what you've got is a potent playoff chasing attacking unit. Um, Norwich have scored 12 goals and conceded seven in the last five games. Only Ipswich and Leicester have scored more in the last five. And if we're looking at the home team, Blackburn, they also have goals in them. They've got Sammy Schmodix up top, leads the way as the division's top scorer. Uh, Blackburn tops the tree when looking at how many times over 2.5 goals has paid out for punters this season. The 25 out of 33 games pips Plymouth Argo just below them with 23 out of 20. 23 out of 33. Um, if, if there were two teams to pick for an overs pick in the championship, Right now, looking at season trends and current form, it'd have yeah. to be these two. Um, it's definitely these two, isn't it? If you're just going for the overs. 
Uh, I was looking at Josh Sargent when you brought that up as well. Six and six for him in the championship. He's a 3.0 anytime scorer. Anything in that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be all over that probably. I'm not really a goal scorer type uh, betting man, but if you are, then yeah, there, there won't be many better options, I don't think, in the championship this weekend. Fantastic. So if we take the over 2.75 in Blackburn versus Norwich, that comes in at 1.85 on bet365 and if you take salford city plus one at 1.875 singles or doubles singles always singles away yeah Yeah. boring sam (laughs) uh double comes in at 3.46 so not bad not bad yeah i'm I'm happy with those two um obviously a a little bit uncomfortable in uh in mansfield this weekend but yeah fingers crossed fantastic Let's leave things there. As ever, if you're going to be using some of the tips from the show, then please gamble responsibly, only betting what you can afford to lose. And if you've got some time, then please leave a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, which we are now available on as well as Spotify. It would make a world of difference to our chances of being seen, especially as a brand new show. Only takes 10 seconds and, of course, would be hugely appreciated. So let's wrap it up. Thanks as ever to Mr. Sam Ingram. Thank you. Thank you very much, and we will be back next week. <laughs>